Hi everyone, this is Ben from the Return of the Movie. We are still in our mid-season break and getting ready for our live stream this Tuesday, September 13th. But we wanted to make sure that we were not leaving the podcast feed hanging before we continue our regular season on September 26th. So today we have a little treat for you. We are giving you an audio version of our sister podcast, The Return of the Show. This is an after-show program for many different pieces of popular nerdy media where we dissect themes, larger fandom questions, and theorize about whatever show we are talking about that season. We have covered Attack on Titan, Invincible, WandaVision, and this season we are focusing on Amazon's The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. If you want to watch any of the other series that we've covered, then go back to our YouTube page, which you can find in the description, and treat yourself! Anyway, enough of me talking about our show. It's time for me to talk about another show. Let's roll that tape. Hello and welcome everyone to the return of the show, the show that used to be formerly known as Too Fast Too Movie. I am a- I, I am not Abraham, I am Ben. <laughs> and on the other end I have Abraham. Um you're taking over my identity, dude. I, What's going on? I have, we have changed the name of the show, and thus, thus I have become the host. Um, <laughs> no, but this is actually, like, kind of a weird one. Um, we weren't supposed to do all audio, but, like, crazy things are happening. And, like, we were like, ah, we gotta, we gotta make this episode. But when we are back, hopefully next week, it will also be a video podcast. We're not moving all of this every podcast that we have to all audio we're gonna keep you guys with some video stuff but um furthermore i guess uh we have to start with a couple things to sort of set the groundwork rings of power abraham what is your experience with the lord of the rings Uh, so i i think you and i had a conversation about this once i i have only ever seen the last lord of the rings film And I saw it when I was nine. The only things that I remember about it are that Gollum was a hobbit who ate a raw fish. I remember that Aragorn is king who got an army of ghosts. And then there are eagles. And then there's like, they put the ring in the lava. And also like Sauron and, you know, he has like an eye tower and he's evil. And, uh, you know, fly you fools. Like, you know, I get the, I got the. The basic beat of the story, but Jesus. if we're talking about like lore, I I don't know shit. So when when you uh, when you asked me to do this, I I'm not gonna lie, I was a little nervous. I mean, uh, I I will say you should be. This is uh this is a ton of stuff to get used to. But you know what the silver lining is? Lore doesn't matter for this show, not at all. You know why, Abraham? Because it's so far in the future, or in the past. It's well, so far it, in the past. Funny enough, no, it would be the opposite. Uh, this is the time in, like, the token writing. Uh, so, obviously, you have never read any of the books. Uh, if nope. your only experience has been one movie, the final movie completely out of context at the ripe old age of eight. Um, yep. So, unfortunately... The way that Tolkien writes is um, sometimes you will read a book and then the book will break out into being a Wikipedia article written by Tolkien about events within the book. 
that is just how he wrote sometimes. And then there would be appendices within the books that would also be other mini historical articles about his world in order to give just the reader like a little extra something to go off on. Elvin is a totally teachable linguistic language because Tolkien was a linguist. He put too much effort into this. Um, so you're saying so what you're saying is he's the antithesis of George R. R. Martin. Yes. Yes. Um writes too much versus not enough. Exactly. Which honestly, the funny thing about this is the reason why we give Tolkien so much credit and the reason why he's such a big element within fantasy is because he made the blueprint for what became all fantasy that wasn't portal fantasy after the fact. Um, there were other examples of fantasy type worlds existing beforehand. I mean, like even HP Lovecraft had the dreamlands and that predates middle earth by 20 some odd years. Um, mm. Excuse me. It predates the Lord of the Rings by 20 some odd years. I forget when things like Tom Bombadil and uh, the Hobbit exactly were dated, but all this is to say is that he set the groundworks for, like, why when you and I, like, hear about an elf or a hobbit we or a dwarf, we think of three different distinct fantasy races as opposed to just, like, all elves, dwarves, fairies, goblins, trolls being these sort of, like, weird little fantasy creatures that are all dis- indistinguishable from each other. Um, yeah, I can definitely tell that there is, like, a, I guess, a sense of, like bolstering or like just like laying it all out on the table just dick flapping out because the way that this show starts out it is like we are in charge we were here first kind of deal (laughs) you know what i mean like that's the tone that i get from just the direction the editing sound design and the way that it's written just in the in the first episode alone yeah and it's it's really interesting because the writers do not have an easy time with the show And that is because what is they're able to actually adapt canonically is limited to literally only the three books of the Lord of the Rings, as well as the book The Hobbit. And then just the appendices in each of those. The majority of the lore that I just talked about, like there's a little bit that's hinted within each book or there is a little bit that's in the appendices of each books. But he also wrote. The Cimmerillion, which is a collection of short stories and articles about Middle Earth, he all and its history and whatnot. Um, it's like fun fact. Uh, that spider in the in the third movie that you might remember that was oh, once yeah, a person. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, cool. that was just once a straight up person. Um, damn. But they can guy. adapt that if they wanted to. Um, and this is Jeff Bezos and all of his money wanted to get a hold of this and just couldn't. Um, so that's kind of the big issue is all the stuff in the second age, every storyline that we are looking at potentially happening, a lot of it really has its details within the other books that they could not adapt. Mm. That's where this show gets messy. Um, so because they can't rely on the canon, it's just like they have to kind of reminds you of the stuff you already know without ever even like implicitly like leaning into it. Yeah. Um, That being said, I've already noted some spots where they are starting to make deviations in ways that will actually be a lot closer to the original canon than people think they will. Um, uh, For example, Numenor is a very interesting example. 
Um, Numenor, they gave a queen instead of a king, which honestly, it's 2022. We can expect something like that to happen. I have zero problems with that. But also, it helps deviate characters so that you can continue down a similar storyline to what may have been written in the Cimmerillion with it just being considered a little bit remixed. Mm. And okay. this, yeah, this also translates to adding additional characters where the characters might not have existed beforehand. It will allow them to explore things that were hinted at fully fleshed out in the other books and then hopefully staged close enough to the lore where it's like, ah, this is cohesive, at least within the cinematic universe. Um, we don't know if that's 100% going to happen. It's only episode three. Uh, there is one other larger controversy that I think we need to talk about within the context of this show. Um, there's a there's a t- ton of controversy to talk about, but I'm sure the comment section will let us know. There's a bit of a racism problem from the token fan base. I will say it has calmed down since the show premiered, but we did have incidences when the show was announced and the casting was released where people were very, very upset about um, literally every single character of color within the show existing. Yeah, I don't, I feel like I don't even want to talk about it too much because all these people like always have like the same things where they're like, there are no white people. There's only supposed to be white people. And it's like, yeah, like there are ways to criticize a show like without like any person of any, like you can, like in these types of stories, anybody should be able to play any role. And so, you know, anybody who's critiquing the show about its wokeness, just because there are characters of color, I'm like, all right, buddy, there's like way more things that you could talk about, which I, and that being said, I do have a lot of criticisms of the show. And that's because I am like a person who does not have any frame of reference for the source material, you know? Yeah. And all this is to say, I wanted to get this out of the way at the beginning of the podcast because we're not going to be talking about racial castings at all for the remainder of the conversation. Um, yeah. It is an important thing to note that's going on in the fandom as far as really stupid arguments are concerned, but we already had a whole episode of a different podcast about that. So we're really going to leave that alone. Racists be gone. <laughs> be gone. You got no place within this conversation. And if the world is changing faster than you can deal with it, get a fucking therapist. I don't know. Seek help. But with that, I want to know, what are your general thoughts on this show? So I remember how I said early on about how the show just kind of like comes in and like slams its dick on the table and goes like, hey, I'm here now. Remember how I said that? Yes. That is both. I feel like a a positive and a negative. I think for people who are fans of Lord of the Rings, I think that they are going to eat all of this up. I think that even in the first episode, that whole monologue where they showed the history of Mogarth and, you know, all of those things that happened ages before the start of the story actually begins. I'm sure like a fan would find that interesting. For someone who doesn't have any frame of reference, I felt like it was a little too circle jerky if that makes sense yes Um, i think it dissipates the farther in we get but that is one major criticism i have the show in the start as far as if i'm lost or not i know everything that's happening and i have ideas on how they might shape out but i don't really understand what this is leading to if 
this story takes place so far in the past that any of the things that I like offhandedly know about Lord of the Rings, if that would even be, that's not going to be relevant. So, you know, I don't really have any, any way of like thinking about like, how is this going to end? Okay. So there is a mixture of good news and bad news here. Good news is you're kind of right in the fact that we don't know how we're getting there, what's going on. And a lot of that has to do with what I just described about the issues within canon. Um, The bad news is that it's going to directly be this show is based off of the characters that we met, the plot lines that are going on. We know that this is going to directly lead into essentially the events that are shown I believe at the start of Fellowship or Two Towers. This is um, the Rings of Power. What this show is named for is what we are going to see forged and created throughout this. The one ring is the ring that controls everyone that is wearing the Rings of Power. And the way that this is going to work is like we're going to start seeing a world where Sauron... We don't know who he is, how he's doing things, but he's going to start pulling strings where all of the major races are going to retrieve, receive these rings that give them these incredibly powerful magic. And then he's going to give himself a ring where he can control and influence those that are wearing the rings. Oh, okay. So this is like basically Machiavellian scheme. Like this is 5D chess that he's playing right now. Yes. And this is okay. This is the background, like, um, so the way that we learn about, like, oh, there was a great war with Morgoth, and like, you know, that's the background for what's going on. That's the big lore event that makes the world feel full while we're doing this story, right? Yeah. The events in this are the same thing, except for in the world of Lord of the Rings. So, in the world of the Lord of the Rings, there is this massive war that. that ages on and just takes place over an incredibly long time. And then during that war, Sauron is eventually slain and the ring is dispersed into the world. Um, Eosildur takes it on, I believe, and then he's supposed to destroy it, but doesn't. And that, and that's the background for the Lord of the Rings and what leads into that story. So we're likely going to be getting all of that. Like this show will likely end with the slaying of Sauron by Yusildur and then retrieving the ring. And then maybe he refuses to throw it into the fire. But no matter what, we'll get the rings to be forged and we'll get the carnage and war that follows because of that. Um, Okay, that's okay. That's actually good to know that 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 helps me a little bit more with my theory crafting and also give some. Give some weight to some thoughts that I have about some characters, uh, <laughs> which we'll talk about, I'm sure, coming coming soon. Yes. So on that note, I guess we should talk about um, some of the characters. I'm going to start with my favorite because I just I love hobbits. We're going to talk about the Heartfoots. Um, so noticeably, we'll talk about Nori, but a little background. Heartfoots are hobbits, uh, in case anyone's confused. They just um, can't say the word hobbit. No, it's not that, actually. So, from a lore perspective, Heartfoots, um, there's no record of them appearing in Middle-Earth until the Third Age, which is after the slaying of Sauron. That's what 
that's what sets off the third age is Sauron's gone and the world is in this sort of post-apocalyptic uh, rebuilding of itself. That's uh-huh. the setting for the Lord of the Rings. Um, that being said, the Heartfoots were also known for being extremely secretive for how they traveled, what they did. So it would be very easy for the Heartfoots to stay hidden and just never appear to anyone in the second age, which we see happening in the first in all of these episodes. Um, they mm. are noted as being some of the earliest hobbits in Middle-earth, and they eventually um, they settle in the Shire and produce Frodo, Bilbo, Sam, all the hobbits in the all the hobbits in the original um, movies are descendants of the Heartfoots. That's the lore thing. I'm saying legally though, can they say? Oh, they hobbits? can totally say Hobbit. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, they okay. they have the rights to the Hobbit. That's the one thing they can okay. say. I wanted, wanted to make sure. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I didn't know how barred they were. The Tolkien um, estate gave them that. They have that. Okay, good. But the the one thing that we do need to talk about is the one girl character, Nori, and her friend, uh, who is named the stranger in the subtitles, but I have dubbed him the Meteor Man. And from hence point, we shall refer to him in the show as Meteor Man. Meteor Man. So- I need to know from you, um, who do you think this guy is? Because no one, there's a lot of debate about this. Um, and there's one character that people think he might be that can be dispelled pretty easily. Um, but I, I want to know from your standpoint, where are you at? Okay. It's really only one of two things. There's only two options. And I don't mean like, and I don't mean this uh, in, in like a specific character way. I just mean in, in terms of servicing the story. He is either the savior of this story or a savior in some capacity, or he is like the big bad. So it's either he is like just like some magic dude who like might fight off the forces and like might do a self-sacrifice kind of deal, or that is Sauron. There's no there's no in between. (laughs) There literally is no in between right there. No, I so. I think you're right. Um, And this is kind of where the debate is. The person who this definitely is not is Gandalf. Gandalf comes at the third (laughs) age. And it's stated in the original books that he's in there at the third age. This is not something that they have to work around in order to do. Who it could be, if you wanted to go down the wizard path, is either of the blue wizards. Um, There are, for information, for people that do not understand wizards... Wizards are like arc, not archangels, but they're angels, essentially. Um, And hence the falling from the sky thing would make a lot of sense for this. Um, And five of them are sent to Middle Earth. There are two that appear in the Second Age, and they are the Blue Wizards. Okay, so kind of confirming my theory. Yes. That it's either an angel or a demon. The other thing is that it could also easily be Sauron, because what we know about Sauron from the lore is that he is a shape-changer. He, at certain points, will appear to the elves as a beautiful elf in order to trick them into doing the rings. That is something that we know, based off of the original lore in the books, that they have the rights for, will happen. And we also kind of know that based off of some concept art and some uh, character reveals on a more meta level, um, but that's going to potentially be a thing. He could easily also just show up as this dude, fall from the sky, 
undo his memory, light Yagami style, in order to get close he to can something. Do, he can he can undo his memory. He is somewhat limited in power, but like his entire thing is stay in the shadows. He needs people mm. to be as unsuspecting of him as possible. Um, and the scene that leads credence to this, um, besides the fireflies dying, is when he first arrives. Um, in the fire. Yes. Yeah, that's that was for me like a very foreboding image. It, it they tried to play it off as like a very like lighthearted and mystical and even like like a wondrous moment, but then later on with the fireflies how he like reaches up for the stars and then and then like the fireflies like all die. Yeah. That that right there does not mean good guy. That means that he is a bad guy, which, and actually, you just gave me a theory, but I, I'm going to save it for later. I, because I, there's a point in the discussion where when I say it, you will be, you will be, you'll be floored that I just came up with this connection. Okay. <laughs> I'm happy person. with that. Okay. Um, so there is one thing. I, I don't know if I'm jumping on this, uh, because I don't think we have a natural way to get to this, but if you remember the first episode, um, there is one distinct thing that we know about evil when it appears in a true form based off of the thing with Galadriel and the South Pole. Um, uh-huh. It's distinctly colder when they go into that area that they believe Sauron to have been, and there is that symbol and everything that's going on. Um, those flames were not hot at all. They were cold. Exactly. Yeah. So... It leads even more into that. And like when you take a look like surface level, everything is like, oh, it's fine. It's hunky dory. He's probably a wizard and he just lost his memory. Isn't he cute? But then when you start taking a look at all these other elements, everything kind of points towards maybe spooky bad guy. He yep. could be Sauron. He could also be like another. Um, He could be another Sauron type thing. Um, Sauron is kind of. From my understanding of the hierarchy, and I still have more research to do on this, so someone please correct me, but he's kind of at the same level as a wizard in the first place, um, in the fact that he's also like a pseudo-angelic being. Um, Okay. Yeah. Uh, And if someone, if I'm wrong, please correct me in the comments. I am going to do a little bit more research on this. I think with that, I kind of want to go into some of the other things. Uh, We got to talk about Elrond and the Forge. The, the casting for this, uh, I, I will say, he's a he's a pretty boy. Um, and Elrond is an interesting character in the fact that he is half elven and he is supposed to be the diplomat. Um, it's also hysterical mm. to see him this young because in the movies he's kind of just a grouchy old man. He's in the movies. He is in the movies. How old is wait? How old do elves live? Uh, literally forever. They can kind of die of old age, but it's it's weird. It's like they have to lose the will to live, and then they kind of turn into ghosts and then go back across the sea. Let me um, let me just go ahead and let me do a quick <laughs> Google search on what he looks like in the movies. Oh, ew! <laughs> really? He t- yeah. He, he turns into the guy from the Matrix. Yeah, I don't think he ages well. Um, but no, you're yeah, he turns he turns into uh he turns into the dude from the Matrix. Damn, so okay, that guy's old. Old. Yeah, old. cool. All right. But Elrond has a very specific quest that he's on, and that is helping uh Celeb Celebrimbor. 
Celebrimbort with creating this forge. What do you think the purpose of that forge is in the story? So there's, it's probably either A, connected to the forging, well, because you just said connected to the forging of the rings, or it has something to do with, um, what's his name, Halbrand. I remember in, we're, we're going to talk about it later. He has something, to, actually, we can talk about it now. He has something to do with like forges. He like, he made a specific point to like try to get a job there and to even steal a pin to do so. So I feel like he knows something about forging. Maybe he can craft like a cool thing. I don't, I don't know. It has something to do with either one of those. That is actually within the confines of it. Um, so Celebrimbor, Celebrimbor, Celebrimbor. He, <laughs> his whole thing is in the original lore, he made the rings with Sauron. And Sauron was apparently his apprentice, kind of parading himself around as an elf and eventually would will turn on Celebrimbor. Um, so there is a certain point in this story where whenever Celebrimbor gets an apprentice, we're all going to know that it's Sauron. And the show will hopefully treat it in a way where we will have the dramatic irony to understand that because... Everyone within the fandom who has read the original books understands that that's coming. Um, yeah. So, like, I feel like they should try and level the playing field between audiences. That being said, uh, I don't think the show has been doing a great job at servicing people that might be new to the story. Um, but Elrond's whole thing is that he is the only elf that you ever see really interacting with the other races um and that's shown really prominently with uh prince durin mm -hmm. a little confused and concerned about where this storyline is going about the secret of the dwarves and what they're going after because i don't have a concrete answer for this actually and i think you have some theories and i do want to hear them i'd imagine i i feel like the only because it's the the title of the show is The Rings of Power. I can only imagine that every single storyline is going to be connected to the forging of the rings. So I'd imagine that maybe it's like a precious mineral because I know that the rings in the movies aren't just like golden rings. They're like enchanted. So like perhaps it's like a special ore, like incredibly rare and magical. Maybe there's only like a few in existence or a very limited quantity hmm. that could be used to power something that that's kind of the only thing that I can think of uh, without it. Cause we're already three episodes deep. I, that's the only thing I can think of that would stop it from just deviating into too many random obscure plot lines. And given how the whole thing is connected to Celebrimbor trying to forge something, I, I could easily see that kind of being connected to it. There is like one material that we know that the dwarves had control of that was a major plot point within the original movies, and that's Mithril. But that's kind of it for like what we know about on like a hard surface lore area. There might be some more obscure things that I don't know about, but usually I feel like one of the things that's going on is because he needs manpower in order to build this uh, forge in like under a year. Mm -hmm. If I had to guess based off of the description of the forge, um, it, yeah, based off of the description of the forge, where some other plot lines are going and how massive it's supposed to be. I think that 
this forge might be one of the great towers um, that we see at the end. In particular, there's a possibility that it could end up being the tower that becomes the Eye of Sauron. Wait, what do you mean it becomes a tower? Like, it was in a small chest, though. The, the forge that they're creating has to be this large, magnificent oh, the, thing. Oh, the, you're talking about the forge itself. Like, uh, it turns into the tower that is the Eye of Sauron. Yes. Um, okay. The, the only reason why I'm kind of leaning this direction is because we know that it has to be near a magnificent heat source. The Eye of Sauron's tower is near the volcano where we believe the rings to have been forged in the first place. Hence the reason why Frodo has to take the ring to that mountain in order to melt it because it needs the same fires that forged it. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's in the Southlands. And eventually I believe that dwarves are pro like clearly they built the, um, they built that city in not very l- a lot of time. I think about 20 years is what was stated. Dang. Yeah. So like okay. if there's anyone that can like build a crazy thing in a year, it's dwarves, dwarves and their practices. So, like, I kind of wonder if it's... It's very weird for them to call it the secret of the dwarves, where it seems to be, like, their manpower. So, I wonder if we're going to have, like, some weird lore-breaking thing or, like, new thing that is going to completely just be like, ah, dwarves can magically build things fast. Or if it I just mean, turns that would, into hard labor. That might be how they... Maybe. I don't know. I literally don't know. (laughs) I'm right there with you. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but we know that this is going to be one of the major plot lines through the show. Right. And speaking of the potential Southlands, uh, let's go on to hot boy Arondir. 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 Is that how you say it? Arondir? I I will. Someone can correct me in the comments, but I will wait till I hear his name again because it's not easy to pronounce the elven names. It's nope. never easy to pronounce the elven names, and I am just learning this one. Um, but a really important thing to note is his entire story is taking place in the Southlands, and this is a character that was entirely made up for the show, which unfortunately doesn't bode well, because that means that he's the character that's most likely to die. Um, oh, I hope not. Yeah. Un- uh, I mean, like, we're already kind of going in that direction with, the entire uh, Adar thing and being in at the least not orcs. this season. I hope it's later on. I think he'll make it. La- I think he'll make it later on. I don't think he's going to die this season. Otherwise, it unless like he is just a tool for us to find out some really crazy dramatic irony. Like if he finds out something that like will break the story if other people know about it, but mm. will make it more enthralling for us. Then like he's dead. Yeah, um, yeah. I get that. But those orcs are doing something. Yeah, they are. Um, they said that they're looking for something specifically, or that—that's their theory. And if and if somebody gives a theory in a show without an explanation, it means it's true. That's how TV works. <laughs> You're not wrong. So I. I have thoughts on what they're looking for. What are where are you going first, though? Because I, again, I'm I want you, I advantage. actually I actually want you to say yours first because I have a big brain theory. This is where my oh, theory you have comes a big place. Okay, yeah, <laughs> you go first. So I think it's the obvious thing. I'm going to go with Occam's Razor for this. They're looking for that strange blood blade that has the mark of Sauron on it, um, and we still don't know who's 
whose sword that is, by the way. We we looked. We went back to check that episode. Yeah. Best we can tell, it belonged to a farmer who may have had family who followed Morgoth. Judging um, by the way that they like treated and talked about elves when Arandor was there, it 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 is possible that they have some allegiance to uh, Mogarth, Mor- Morgarth. So Morgoth. I, Morgoth. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I I feel like that is where it's going. Honestly, um, I'm a little. I will say I'm a little disappointed with the storyline itself being completely around like ah uh, the they're like thousands of years from now they're still like following the like demon lord essentially and then like mm-hmm. kind of proving some of the elves suspicions right i i don't like that a ton um but that that's just me disliking um a story direction i don't I think mean, it's that's necessarily if they're a bad do- story take they could easily just not be doing that it, it's very possible because they are all leaving and they are all scared of the orcs, it seems like, when she brings them the de- beheaded orc head. So I wouldn't, I, I it could just be a false flag. It could just be something that the orcs put there for safekeeping. Who knows? We don't know. We don't know 100% why it's there or why it was found in a barn. That is fair. It is, it's definitely going to be one of the MacGuffins of the show. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's not going to end well. Nope. For it's a Sauron sword. Nothing ever happens when Sauron gives nothing good ever happens when Sauron gives you a magical item. They're all cursed. Yep. He's terrible at birthdays. Those gifts are <laughs> just, just real bad. Um, okay, so here's my theory. I I think your theory about them looking for the sword, I think that's only true of the one orc that they found digging through. Because remember the kid was saying like he thought he heard mice. And it was actually an orc. So I think that if they wanted to find the sword, I think that they could easily just bring in an army of orcs, take over, and just ransack the whole thing. Which they did to the one town, but that seems to be independent of what they're also doing, which is the tents. And it seems like they're building trenches, or at least like digging just under the surface of ground level. Yes. So... I believe that these orcs are looking for the Meteor Man. Hmm. Because, if you remember, Meteor Man, well, actually, where is, that That actually is a good point, where is the Heartfoot storyline taking place? There is a really important thing to talk about here. The Southlands, um, we're going to jump ahead a little bit to what was talked about at the end of episode three with the, oh, I'm an idiot, it's a map. It's a range of mountains. I know that there was some confusion about that. Like, that doesn't look like a map. But what she was talking about is that sigil of Sauron, which some people thought may have been the uh, precursor to the eye. That is actually a mountain range. It is the mountain range in the Southlands. And it is what will become Mortar. And Mm. it looks like they are just north of the Southlands. Yeah, that... It it kind of is all ha- so we, that kind of also gives credence. It, to it gives saying. total credence to yeah. I think it could be like a multi step thing. I think they're both looking. I think the sword is definitely part of it, but I also think that they're looking for their leader because remember how what's her name Gladriel has been looking for Sauron 
and his army for so long and has found nothing. What if there's a reason that Sauron has been off the table? Like, what if he's, I don't know, like, what if this process just took a long time? Like, if Sauron wanted to go, hey, I have a backup plan that needs to happen. You, my orc minions, you have to enact this plan. I'm going to go MIA for a little bit, and then I'm going to reappear somewhere in the zip code. <laughs> then come find me. Make sure I'm good. And then all that stuff. Yes, exactly. That's um, kind of what I'm thinking. It, I'm it all works. I'm sorry. It I'm all just, works. Just, I really just love the idea of like of Sauron going, yeah, I'm going to be in this zip code. <laughs> I'm going to be somewhere <laughs> around here. You got to find me. And well, that does work because at the, I believe, partway through episode one, we did see that there was a warg that was near the hobbits. Um, they did find those big, very clearly bestial footprints, and then yeah, like, they fuck did off out of there. Um, yeah, so they're 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 right there too. Yeah, and oh boy, I think that was there to give us an idea, like oh, they're near where the shit's going to be happening because we've only seen wargs ever with goblins and orcs in the original movies. Um, that's the only time that wargs will ever show up. So, yeah. Which I and I do want to say one more thing of just about Meteor Man. I'm because th- th- <laughs> that is if he is Sauron, that they're doing the most cruel thing to Nori. I feel so bad if that's what they're doing, because he's talking about like, yeah, let me let me carry your carriage for you. I'm your friend. Like, yeah, like he's, he's like not this- even doing that. He's doing it in like the cute way where the only word he knows is friend. Yeah. Ah, yep. I feel it's gonna. Oh, that yeah, makes oh like Nori's like words of like, no, he's important. I feel it. I'm not important, but he is. And it's like, yeah, Nori, you're right. Big oh, yikes. No, if Nori dies and that. Oh, okay, if, I just, if this is the Sauron version, she's dead. I I, uh, I just want you to clip it. Clip what we're talking about to that happening when it eventually happens. <laughs> Anyways, I feel like that's all we can really say, because most of it is mostly just theory crafting at yeah. that point. Like, we kind of said our piece about what all of this means. I feel like now it's just, really, it's just Gladriel and and uh, and Halbrand that yeah. we have left to talk about, right? Yeah, that's pretty much it. So, Galadriel, um, again, she's in The Lord of the Rings. Very important character. Um, she's one of the only non-wizards we ever see use magic. Um, and what she's using in the scene that everyone's like, ah, she's a magic, powerful magic user, is one of the rings. She's using one of the rings of power, and that's where we that's how she gets her magic. That's how she supposedly wields it. Um, again, mm-hmm. you're you will be it's very difficult to find people wielding magic that are not um ring bearers or using some sort of magic item. That's okay. kind of like as hard like Lord of the Rings has a stupid soft uh magic system. So the only time you'll see magic being used by a main character is 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 if it's a magic item. Um, okay. otherwise magic should only be for like supporting cast that are not going to be a direct help and the villains, because that's how soft magic systems work. Um, but we want to talk a little bit about Galadriel and elf racism, specifically in Numenor, but also kind of the weird elf vibes that we're getting throughout the entire show. Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm understanding the history, right, basically the elves are mad at, or not the elves necessarily, but the elves 
waged war against Mogarth, and then in so doing, in 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 doing so, they basically pissed off the rest of the people that either were not involved and or were descendants of that fight. Kind of okay, and then and then in turn, those people who are now the descendants of the people who did wrong things are like, you guys just keep persecuting us, watching over us like we're just nothing, you know. Like that is that kind of the relationship? That's where uh, that's what's happening. You got the broad strokes. Okay, uh, I'll give it that. So that's what, just, that's all I'm looking for. You explain the big. Yeah, give me the give me the big picture. You, you got it very very close. Um, so. Morgoth shows up in the elven homeland, fucks things up, destroys the tree that is essentially the only source of light. Like, they don't have a sun on that continent. They just have a tree that is the sun. And he, oh, they weren't being metaphorical. That no. They literally meant source of light. No, that, that literally. Like, Elden Ring. You know the whole thing yeah, yeah, in Elden yeah. Ring where there's the tree and it's the only source of light? That's directly taken from... Oh, I didn't know this. that, actually. You know, Elden Ring. I haven't played that yet. Oh, you didn't know that. Okay, well, Elden Ring, when you play it, there's one source of light. It's the Damn. tree. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> fun. So there you go. Um, he shows up, destroys their son, wages war on them, and then they retaliate by going to Middle-earth, where he is currently residing. Um, and they go to wipe him out. Uh, there is actually... This is deep lore... But um, elves are, excuse me, uh, orcs are much more fucked up than you would think. Um, orcs are not a race. Orcs are okay. all elves that have been um, subject to cannibalism and have corrupted over time. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's. Oh, that, that brings might change a whole new meaning to the to the camp that's happening and the slavery yes, going it on in Arander's story. Yes, it absolutely should. That's like how heinous it was. Like when he said he created the orcs, he he made that happen. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's super yeah. messed up. Okay, cool. Yeah, so like he shows up and does unspeakable crimes to them. And then they go back into Middle Earth to fuck his day up. And over time, they successfully do. They wage an entire war over the continent. Um, and yeah, the people living in the continent are like, bro, what the fuck? You're fucking up where we live, too. Yeah, so I believe humans were always kind of living there, um, and Morgoth subjugated them to, like, different forms of slavery and stuff, so he was not a benevolent ruler. The elves were better, but the issue is just that they view so much of humanity as being still in line to Morgoth. But it, it is worth very much notice, noting, like, how, like, the existence of orcs is like a sin upon itself. And that's why it's such a big deal when they're like, there's no more orcs. We won. We've eradicated this like sin and abomination of our kind from existence. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think the show does a very good job explaining that because like it took me like probably a solid seven minutes to explain. And it's a lot to really have to show via film. I feel like they're going to have to slowly give that out piecemeal in order for people to understand it. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of where my issues in the first episode lie. I feel like some of that was missed and I feel like it could have been explained as time went on. But anyways, we're here. We'll we'll see. They may eventually give more of that information. Um, but yeah, it, it, Morgoth did really bad shit. Some of the humans were 
unwillingly part of his army. Some were willingly part of his army because of the status that it gave them. Mm. And that's essentially just how that all worked out. With the exception of Numenor, because they do a pretty good job. Numenor is the only group of people that were explicitly like, yeah, we're not doing uh, Morgoth. We're going to vibe on our own island. And then the elves rewarded them. But what's interesting is that they don't give the reason for why Numenor cut off their ties with the elves. That is left pretty, pretty open for right now. And I'm sure that's going to be something that's revealed as time goes on. So this is where fun um, semi-meta based theory crafting is concerned. Um, So one of the things that we know will happen is by the end of the Second Age, Numenor will fall. Um, Oh, oh, oops. Okay. So they're not they're not existent in there. Um, And also uh, Aragorn's character um, Mm -hmm. is supposed to be part Numenorean. And uh, so, like, people will like escape from that place and like find a new home. Can I do somewhat? Um, it, the, the lore is a little bit messy here, especially with the way that the show's handling it. Um, but it is in part because of this lineage, I believe, that Aragorn has. Um, so like, I, I, you probably haven't seen this in, in the movies, and you might not remember it, but Aragorn in the movies is 80. No, I don't remember that. I, he's I an 80 year old man sure he is why not he is uh he will he, he, he's outlived the queen um <laughs> but Christ. and and will anyways <laughs> but um the i i nearly just made that joke as just like a like ah yes that would have been a good joke in any situation but never mind um I mean, fucker, but like, I'd say though, like, <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> I just didn't expect it. That's the only thing. They're not normal humans. They ha- they're more advanced technology. They do live much longer. Um, and as previously stated, they used to have elves on the islands just at any given moment. Um, yeah. Where it gets messy is there's in the original telling of the of the uh, Numenor thing. Um, and the fall of it is that Sauron poisoned their minds, specifically in the minds of the kings. And because of that, the kingdom fell into ruin. And then survivors would eventually go on it to fight in the war against um, against Sauron. And that would lead into um, Isildur, who is a character that we've met. He is the um, I believe he's the son of the captain. The one that we cut to in what felt oh, very unnecessary. Okay. He's someone from the movies? He's You kind of meet him in the movies. Uh, he He's a man. He's long dead by then. But he's okay. sealed or this kid is eventually who is going to, at least in the movies, slay Sauron. Take the ring from him. And then when it's time for him to destroy the ring, he's going to he choose not to. Gotcha. Okay. That's important to know. It's very important. So um, he's he's going to stay around for a while. Yes. It should be noted that Elrond is supposed to be there when this happens. And Elrond looks old when this happens. So I don't know how they're going to deal with that. Um, I mean, it, they're retconning. They're different actors. It doesn't matter. Very clearly. Yeah, very clearly. But um, that is kind of just where things are going with that. Okay. That's good to know. And that clears up... Uh... 
that clears up a lot. Um, we should also talk about, I guess, Halbrand, who I've also named definitely not Aragorn, because <laughs> I mean, from what I remember about Aragorn, at least in the beginning of the movies, in the clips, in the images that I've seen, he was like lowborn at first, right? No, he is. Oh. He was never lowborn. Um, he really so. Okay. He seemed Aragorn, he had like that like homeless look to him. Yes, in the in the, in the beginning, that's why like the oh. rugged just kind of. I mean, here's the thing: he, he has the blood of kings. He knows exactly who he is in the in there. He has, and this is the this is the reason why the not Aragorn thing is so on the nose. But also, I am a little upset about how they kind of ripped this character archetype. Aragorn only knows that he's king because of a ring that he has with the seal of um I nearly said the I nearly said the name of the wrong kingdom. Uh but the seal of his kingdom. I nearly said Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kingdom of Gondor. Excuse me. Yeah, I, I got it right. Um so he has that seal that shows that he's king. He wears that ring and that is his whole thing. Um the thing is that the kings, um, at some point, they all have to go into hiding. Um, they fall, and there's no king of this of Gondor, which is what's going to be the Southlands. Um, and then what pisses me off here, from a lore standpoint, and I'm not going to say that this makes the show bad, this is just me being frustrated as someone who knows what's going on, is that they make it pretty clear that he's from the Southlands. Uh-huh. Which is an area that has no king, which, sure, you could say, oh, it's poetic bookmarking. He's early Aragorn. But that's one of the things that made Aragorn's character unique was that he's from a long line of royal, fam- of royal family that just disappeared and then was coming back. And then having a repeat of this character happen with him, even though eventually the next king would be a sealder, I believe, is... I mean, what if he's the baffling. first king? He could be the first king. Because, <sighs> like, if there's... If 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 I'm understanding this correctly, and just the way that the Southlands are kind of laid out, and what we've seen, I don't know if there even is a king at the moment. And, or a kingdom. That is so true. what if this is, like, the founding person? So, the thing that makes me curious about that like this is where the lore gets really messy on this um and again i understand why people would be frustrated from a book reading standpoint because of this but if he becomes the king then that means that they would have to get rid of the fact that isildur is supposed to be the high king um so these two characters i'd imagine would have some sort of competition with each other at some point but they're in the same area right now in the story, so yeah. they probably are going to meet eventually. Plus, their father is the one who's like responsible for them. So I, I imagine that that whole party will form in the next few episodes. Yeah, and I'd imagine that what's going to end up happening is Galadriel is going to rally this army. I We might see the fall of... Um, yeah, we might... Numenor? Yeah, we might see the fall of Numenor within like the season and yeah. then if galadriel takes a new party out to uh out to if mortar or the southlands to fuck shit up like that might be and what then a we king- end up and with. then a kingdom is formed 
Yes, because okay. it's it's supposed to be the remnants of Numenor of the Numenorans who found Gondor, I believe. Again, things are messy. I don't know how this is going to work. Also, Lord of the Rings lore is a lot. And if I butchered something, just let me know in the comments and we'll deal with it next episode. Um, so that, that actually brings up, uh, I guess, another criticism I have of the show, um, which ties into also just Gladriel and this whole arc that's happening. Because there's so much happening and because it's not obvious how everything is going to be interconnected. I mean, we have our theories. So if they pay off, then it's good. Like, then I'm like, all right, then this point is moot. But at the moment, I'm having, especially with Gladriel's character, I'm having trouble distinguishing her as the main character from everything else. I could see, and definitely the main arc. You know? Yes. Like, I feel like the the Heartfoot Meteor Man arc and the... Um, and the uh, Arendir with the orc camp, that those two arcs are honestly the most compelling ones to me. Uh, Gladriel as a character has yet to really, like, give me anything to, like, root for. I mean, I get, like, her whole, like, the backstory, like, her brother's dead. She wants to hide, she wants to find the orcs. She's lost a bunch of people. But, like, I, I, I don't know. It's not they're, really doing it for me. They're, they're telling and they're not showing with her. Um, and I agree. This is kind of like one of the things is like, I want more Galadriel screen time because you put so much work into this character. She's supposed to be the mouthpiece. She's supposed to be the person that's putting all the shit together. And ultimately she will be unsuccessful because the war will start. She'll yeah. even, she'll even get and wield one of the rings at some point. Um, whether or not she is like, actively falling into Sauron's trap or not remains to be seen. Honestly, we'll, we probably won't even see that this season. I think mm. that we're going to get to a point where she will slip into focus, but this show either needs to decide if it has a main character or needs to embrace the rest of the cast more. Because like the two things that you just said are easily the most compelling are the ones that I feel like have had the least screen time. Yeah, and it's because there's so much mystery. And actually, going back to the intro of episode one and what you were saying about telling and not showing, they already told everything. Yes. I feel like this would have been more compelling if they cut right from the moment where the the boat thing happened, like all the other elves like beat up her boat and like beat up her, and then like the conversation with her brother, then like hard cut to her like on an expedition and then slowly over the course of the season, we get to see how much she's lost. And then if what you're saying is true about the fall of Numenor, if that happens at the end of the season, if we parallel that with the death of her brother, it will make her feel like even more of a failure, which is honestly way more compelling. I, I just think that there's, they, they didn't really do a good job of setting her up for a success in terms of being a main character. I don't think that the show has done an amazing job with its execution. Again, this is not something like the amount of Wikipedia articles that I have up in order to make sure I'm getting shit straight with the lore. And then like, you'll ask a question and then I'll go, Oh, I need to just pull from my Lord of the Rings knowledge from the back of my head. And that's not a hundred percent reliable, even though I have lived and breathed this series for a very long time. I'm just not the scholar. This is, the hardest thing for them to have tried to adapt. 
This is they are taking the big moments in history within this show and tying them all together. This is yeah, it, it is somehow a miracle that this is not a complete utter fucking mess because it really should be way less coherent than it is. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I did not like the first episode. Episode two <laughs> was better. Episode three, I liked. So I feel like they 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 were on the struggle bus and then they finally were like, oh, we just can't rely on the crutch that is Lord of the Rings. We got to actually tell a story. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I can deal with the first episodes because I know what's going on. Yeah. But if you as a new viewer can't, then that's just a problem. I mean, I'm I'm invested now. I'm I'm interested to see how this all plays out. And especially with the things that you said, which have have confirmed and also shaped some of my theories as to where things are going to go and what will happen. I'm now a lot more invested than I was after viewing the first episode. I just think that the one thing is just Gladriel's arc. I think it's a little lackluster. Everything else, I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm kind of digging it. It's. Nor I feel like this is very like vanilla fantasy, and I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. I feel like you know Game of Thrones is like super brutal, whereas something like uh you know I'm trying to think like what's another good like live action fantasy setting um, that has come out recently. I would if you've seen it, I would say um it's Portal fantasy, but um his Dark Materials. Which is very light and kind of fluffy, even yeah, though it yeah, yeah. has stupid, like, dark moments in it. Right. Or, like, Witcher that's, like, super, super, like, very, like, plot-heavy and, like, character-focused. I feel like this is the most plain one, and I don't, but I don't think that's bad, necessarily. I think it's, I think it's classic. And I think that if they continue to to shape and to connect these stories more, I think that 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 will have to be its niche in the fantasy world, which I think is, I, I it's a decent approach. I'm glad that they didn't try to be the next, I think they were trying to be the next Game of Thrones in the beginning with the way that they were narrating and everything going on. But I feel like they're slowly starting to develop their own identity. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, we gotta, we gotta get you to watch the actual Lord of the Rings at some point. That's gonna be, uh, <laughs> that's gonna be an interesting take. Eh, I don't think I will. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Maybe I feel like I want to watch it after I watch this. Fair. After this is done, I'll watch. I feel like I'll watch I will. I will say if we, um, if we can somehow get to like a thousand subscribers by the end of the year, maybe we could force you to watch all three movies in one sitting, extended no, editions. That's- that's that's not that's happening. our subscriber goal, guys. We're not going to watch all three Lord of the Rings in we, one sitting. Isn't no, like you'll do that day? plus The Hobbit. It'll be a 24-hour binge. No, 24 hours? <laughs> yep. Aren't there like six movies? Yep, that's what I said. The extended editions are all about four hours apiece. We're not watching the extended editions. We're watching the theatrical cut. <laughs> I, no, I you got to watch the extended editions. I, I, no, I, Ben, I'm telling you right now, I refuse. If it's good <laughs> enough for the movies, it's good enough for me. All right. Well, let us know if you want Abraham to watch the extended editions in the comments. However, first, I have the fun token fact of the week, which we will be doing every week. So this is one that the audience might know. But did you know, Abraham, that the game of golf was invented by hobbits who, in particular, 
were whacking, I believe, a goblin's head with a stick. Like in, like in the universe. In the universe, a- golf is okay. a thing. See, and it- I thought, I thought you were saying that in in our world, the reason why we have golf is because Tolkien one day decided, hey, you know what? Hobbits were <laughs> thrown around a goblin head. Nope. It, it is literally in the first chapter of The Hobbit that a great hobbit warrior smacked a goblin's head so hard that it flew into a hole. <laughs> and then they were and then they were like, let's do that as a game. Exactly. That is our Tolkien fact of the week. All right. Join All us right. next week. We're right. gonna be going into just that previous episode. Just next week's episode. It's gonna be a little bit of a shorter thing. And uh hopefully we'll have the video back up. Cause we're going through some strange times over here. But hey, it's the return of the show. Bye. Bye. Hey, if you like that, please be sure to, well, just share it with your friends and come by the YouTube channel to see what's going on. We got so much content for you. And the best thing you can do if you want to help out and just show us your support, tweet us, leave a review on the podcast. You know the drill. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.